Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Okay, here it is, guys. It's Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'm here with a special extra come get some, come get some culture. That's right. I actually sat down and I tweeted out to my audience and asked you guys, do you want more Scientology coverage? And you overwhelmingly said yes. There was like two no's, and I know who they were. But you guys wanted more, and I sat down, and I sent an email out, started communicating, and I got Chris Shelton to agree to come on the show. And this is before the events of last week transpired and, and, and unveiled itself the way it did. So it's real interesting to get him, and I had that opportunity to speak to him. So that's what you're going to hear today. It's part one of a two-part uh, of a two-part extra edition of Come Get Some. There'll be another one next Friday with the continuation and the conclusion of my conversation with Chris. I don't want you guys to forget my regular Come Get Some show. Day 45 just aired yesterday. It was a Donna Hare UFO experience where we kind of compared notes. And I kind of uh, we kind of got to know her a little bit better, and we're just scratching the surface. So please don't forget to check out Donna Hare's uh, series of interviews started yesterday. That'll continue Thursday next week. But right now, uh, again, I had an opportunity to sit down with Chris, and here's how that conversation went. Stay tuned to the end to hear a preview for next week's uh, extra edition, part two of Chris Shelton. Uh, here we are. Okay, so in this wacky world of Scientology where there's a lot that we don't understand or we can wrap our minds around, uh, the one word that comes to mind to me is surreal. And in these surreal times, sometimes it's good to apply something called critical thinking. And to help me sort that all out is uh, a man who you may have just seen recently on Lair Remini's Scientology, The Aftermath. He's the author of the book Scientology a to Z New, the insider's guide to what Scientology is all about, and the host of his own YouTube series, Critical Thinker at Large. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Chris Shelton. Hey, welcome hey. to the show. Hey, thank you. Yeah, so how are you doing? Is anything new going on? Oh man, there's always something new going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I post three times a week on my channel. I have my own podcast. You know, I just posted today. I've been doing this ongoing series of videos deconstructing this uh, academic apologetics about Scientology, and it's, uh, you know, never a dull moment. Oh, let me tell you, now, now this whole thing of Scientology with social media, with the Lair Remedy show, with your series and, yes. and different podcasts, it's a fluid thing, uh, this, whole, this whole subject, yes. to the point to where I have restructured the general basic outline of today's conversation three times. It's changed that much since we arranged the the interview. You know, there was the yeah. there was the hey, I'll come on your show. Then there was Lair Remini, and then there was this, this video that came out, which we yeah, I don't want to give it too much attention, but what I want to talk about it a little bit, just in the way that uh, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming, yeah. and I don't want to make yeah. fun of it. Been, uh, yeah, no, no, not at all. I've been a critic for three years. I've been out of the Church of Scientology for three years now, and um. And you know when you start down this path that this is where it's going to lead. Because Scientology, you know, got its DNA, it's got its, it's in its nature to attack, to overtly attack its critics. And so 
I, I knew that I was going to, you know, have a website eventually or have, you know, them badmouth me on a public forum and that sort of thing. And you go, okay, well, this is what it, you know, this is, this is the, the trade-off of helping people, exposing what they do, and, um, and trying to get the truth out there, you know. And that's, so it's like, okay, that, that happened. That happened. Um, it's so surreal to me in a way that you you see these family members, uh, ex wives, sons, daughters, speaking out about their family members. Mike Rinder's kids, uh, Mary Khan's kids, your uh, your ex wife, and the thing that, yeah. that that really strikes me about this is put yourself back in your Scientology days uh, when you were working. Yeah. You were on staff. I was on staff, and then I was a secret member. Yeah, worked professionally for the organization for 25 years. Okay, so changing history, there was the potential that might have been a time where a family member of yours may have left before you, and you felt compelled that they turned their back on you. Is that, is that a correct assessment that that could have happened? Well, that could have happened. I mean, it, it, it didn't go right. down that way. But I... I, I think that I think the best way to explain this for people is that, um, you know, I I was very much in love with this woman who was my my now ex-wife for 17 years, right? Right. And she was amazing. She's a really really nice person. Her name is Sunny, and that is what she's like. She's a very sunny person. And so to see her, you know, in a video where she's basically trash-talking me for four minutes, it's, um, it's you know, it's, it's, it's hurtful, it's surprising, you know, that sort of thing. But I understand the position that she's in. You know, you don't see the machine guns that are, that are sort of symbolically pointed at her off camera. You know what I mean? I don't mean literally, but, you know, she's under right. a lot of pressure and threat of duress if she doesn't comply with the church's wishes to, to say those things. And a friend of mine watched it, you know, just kind of cold. I didn't say anything about it. And she, and her takeaway was, wow, it looked like she was really struggling to remember her lines. Yeah, you know what? I didn't finish watching it myself because at this point it falls so hollow to me. That's exactly the case. And so you, and that, and they have their prearranged lines that they wanted her to say and things they wanted her to comment on and so she did and they dolled her up I mean they put her did her hair they did her makeup they probably spent more making that video than they've paid her in 17 years of of her time in the Sea Org right because you know when you're in the Sea Org you're making something like 15 to 30 to 40 dollars a week right the whole week so yeah, the whole week. But, but yeah, you're paid every week, and you're paid an allowance, you know, pocket change of, you know, at most $45. And there were many, many, many weeks of no pay, half pay, quarter pay. So, so they're, they're spending more to make this attack website or a page about me and producing this video about me with her in it than they are paying her for the entire time she's been in the Sea Org. And it's just a comment on where Scientology's values are at. So you don't even feel like brainwashing's involved. You don't think it's like, hey, we promise you free courses, or we'll make you go up the ladder or up the bridge faster to enlightenment, you'll get to the next OT level, or get out of this this dead-end job. You think it's threatening no. more than anything. No, no, no. It's, it's threatened arrest. It's, 
it's, you know, Chris Shelton is a church attacker, and he's saying bad things about Scientology, and isn't that awful, and we're going we're gonna to show the world what a bad person he is, and so you're going you're gonna to say these things about him, and that's what's going to happen, right? And, they, and then she goes along with it, because if she says, well, I don't want to do that, they're going to go, oh, really? Well, what is it that you agree with about what Chris Shelton's doing? Uh, they put her on the spot. And then it's going to be pressure, pressure, pressure on her. And then she's going to get what, you know, then she would receive what's called sex checking, security checking, which is kind of an enforced confessional type of thing. And they're going to try to, they're going to ask her a bunch of questions about what crimes she's committed, that she would agree with me in any way for attacking the church. And it would just be very, very, very painful life for her if she didn't go along with what the church wanted. Yeah, so it's hurtful. So, and it's like that for every one of these people who makes these videos that you see wow. in these attack sites. That's, how, that's what it's like in the church, is if you don't toe the line and cooperate, they're going to make your life extremely uncomfortable. Wow, it's hurtful, but you understand it, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I, don't, I did not take anything she said personally because I know all of this, and... I know that she and I did not end on amicable terms because of my actions, and I understand that, right? I cheated on her. That was not cool. But, you know, our marriage was really shouldn't have happened in the first place, but I don't mm. hold any of it against her personally. She's a wonderful person. That, that's just really it's unbelievable to go from one side to the other. To hear you is to hear like a, a classy, a classy explanation of what happened, and no, no, there's no attack in that. There's no argument there. And yeah, no, you know. What draws me to you, what I like about you and your videos, I found your videos a couple of years ago. You've been doing them for a while. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, about two and a half years now I've been on YouTube. And they're kind of lectures. They're kind of lectures on understanding. Uh, it's almost like having a Scientology lecture, but anti- but the reverse. You're getting the, the de-Scientology <laughs> lecture. Exactly. Well, Carl Sagan inspired me, um, and and learning about critical thinking inspired me, and I thought that the best way to present this information was to do it from a from a position of reasonableness and logic and um, and here are the facts, and, and make a timeless message that, that will just communicate, here's what this subject really is all about. And, and that, I thought, was the best way to change hearts and minds. And so far, it seems to be working. Well, you get more with honey than, than vinegar, right? Something like that. But, uh... <laughs> a little bit. Also, it's not an appeal to emotion. You know, I'm not, I'm not on the... I don't, I, there are people who have suffered greatly, and, and I have too, in my own way, but I thought that a more effective and, and, and longer-term way of, of convincing people that Scientology is not something they want to have anything to do with would be to present it in a fact-filled, reasonable manner rather than appearing on the screen very emotionally and crying and being very upset and that sort of thing or being very angry. I can be those things. I have, certainly have reasons to be those yep. that way, but that didn't... Think that didn't seem to me to be the right way to go about talking about this subject. Yeah. And so that's why you see me talk the way that I do. Yeah, I'm angry for you. I mean, if you, if you look at it, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm wrong to do this, but I almost, and I know I don't want to make light of it, but when these attack videos come out against Mike Rinder and Leah Remini and yourself and, and everybody, I get a little giddy because I feel like it, I feel like their grip is slipping. I feel like it's working. 
like, like what you're doing, what, what Leah Remini is doing, what Nick oh, Renner is yeah. doing, you know, um, yeah. you're getting to them. Oh, very much so. Oh, oh, absolutely. They, and, and the thing that really is startling about the way they go about, you know, attacking us critics is it all hinges on a logical, you know, what's called a logical fallacy, right? In other words, something that doesn't make any sense is they all hinge on name-calling, on, on, on what's called ad hominem. They just attack us. They don't take up any of the substance of what we're actually saying. They don't ever, you know, talk about disconnection or fair gaming or uh, the, the human rights abuses that go on in the church. They never address those issues, the, the, the crazy policies of the church, the wacky methodologies that they engage in. They won't, they won't go head-to-head on that stuff because they know that they don't have anything that they can defend themselves on with those things. They know they're in the wrong. And so all they can do is resort to basically a third-grader's level of, of debate, which is just attack. It, it really is. I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you, you said you were going to check out my show. I don't know if you heard my rant last week. Uh, yes, what, yes. One thing that really aggravated me about those videos is it almost sounds like when my kid is complaining about another kid at school. It's not. It's, exactly. it's, That's exactly why I say exactly third grader bully. Bully. That's it, the Church of Scientology. It's just unbelievable. That's their level of discourse, you know, and, and they they have no church spokesman who will go on TV, who will go on radio anymore. They haven't had that since 2011 when they got rid of Tommy Davis. They, they Nobody do the, else is, is stepping up. They do the you press know. releases, and those press releases. If you ever well, saw, sure. you ever saw uh, Jenna Miscavige go around with her book, or if you ever saw um, yes. Lair Remini appear on any TV shows, I don't care if it's Dancing with the Stars, The View, Anderson Cooper. I don't care yeah. where what, where they went for the interview. The the statement would be read by Scientology, and whoever it was. The respectable person who's always in front of the camera week after week trying to make the solid, valid points for people to see are rolling their eyes, and it's not at disgust at Lair Remini or Jenna Miscavige. It's because of how that press release is worded and how disgusting it is. Exactly. And, that, and, and I'll tell you quite straight that most of that comes straight from the mouth or pen of David Miscavige. I believe the leader it. of the church. That's what he spends his time doing, is writing these, these awful, awful press releases or attack pieces. And I guarantee you that if he's not the one writing any particular one, he has overseen the process and approved the final copy, right? Every time. Wow. He is the, the, the spokesman now. And, uh, but he won't go on TV, won't go on radio, he nope. won't come out and defend his position. And... And it's not like he's not articulate or well-spoken or doesn't have an ability to do public speaking. He's just terrified because he knows that the truth isn't on his side. And they don't care. Uh, they don't care that they're not making a lot of sense, um, it seems, because it's the doctrine. Based on what Tony Ortega's been putting out, you know, they don't care because it's the doctrine put forth by L. Ron Hubbard, so they have to follow that path, regardless how horrible it sounds. That's right. And, they, and also, David Miscavige at this point has, has remodeled Scientology in his own image, where he's now the dear leader of the group. And so, his, he, he, as he sees it, you know, his livelihood, his, his very life depends on him continuing to fleece 
the members, the, the, the big wealthy members of Scientology, and there are a few of them, and that's how he keeps his John Loebs and his personal chef and lives the life of Riley that he's living, is he has to keep up this pretense that everything's great, everything's wonderful, Scientology's expanding like never before, and these people who are in that bubble world believe it. You know, they have, and they have lots of reasons to believe it because they have invested a lot of time and money in the effort of doing Scientology for a really good reason. Most of them just want to have a better life. They want to have a better family life, a better relationship, better, they want to be better themselves. And they bought into the idea that Scientology would give that to them. And David Miscavige takes 1,000% advantage of all of their goodwill and their willingness to try to help the world and help themselves. And he uses that to enrich himself and his own life, and he really doesn't care about anybody else. Wow. And you think the celebrities are, are buying into it as well, or do you think they just don't want to yeah. see it because they have such great lives because of their their status? Uh, it, it's, it's a bit of both. The celebrities, like Leah Remini will tell you, were, are, live an even a bubble within the bubble. They are treated as VIPs within the world of Scientology, and they are very closely watched and very closely monitored to make sure that none of that bad news gets into their bubble, right? And they're drilled on what to say and how to say it in response to questions from the press and that sort of thing. It's gotten so bad now that Tom Cruise won't even do an interview before, you know, without the interviewer agreeing that they're not going to talk about Scientology, right? When, right. when Going Clear came out, Tom Cruise went on a press junket for whatever Mission Impossible, you know, 39 movie was, was out at the time, and no one could ask him anything about the allegations made in Going Clear. And it was, it was very disappointing to see, you know, journalists not step up and do something about that anyway. But that, too, big, know, too big a person. Yeah, I mean, why not, you know? But, um, but they're kept in a very, very cloistered bubble world, the celebrities are. And, uh, and they, they, you know, they may, might hear something about abuses or about this or about that, but they're, they're also indoctrinated in the Scientology mindset of ignoring the media. The media are a bunch of liars. They're a bunch of, you know, people who are only interested in money. They'll say anything to sell a story. And so, you know, there, it, it, when you have that kind of worldview that nothing in the media is true, then it's a lot easier to write that stuff off. I see that a lot. Scientology, yes. And What's your source, really the media? It's very hard to indoctrinate <laughs> that. Yeah. Oh, man. And it really, it seems like anything that can possibly, and this is something that was thought out by L. Ron Hubbard long ago, anything that could possibly point to something wrong with Scientology is immediately discredited in the entire idea of Scientology. Everything's wrong. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Uh, I want to give it, I want to give an example. Is I think it might be the biggest thing Scientology is against. I, mean, I could be wrong, but psychiatry, right? Um, yes. So Everything in psychiatry is evil and must be destroyed. There is nothing good in psychiatry according to Scientology. Now, here's the funny thing about that to me is... They use psychiatric techniques in the auditing sessions and things like that. You know, they invented their own techniques as well. 
between between what, what David Scavage has added, yeah. I believe, and what what Elron Hubbard had. But the difference, if I can make a case for psychiatry, and even I have questions about some of the legitimacy of psychiatry, but if I can make an argument, in psychiatry, everything that you say, everything, every win you get, when you call it a win, when you have some kind of, of progress made, every piece of dirt of you that ever comes out, no matter what your relationship is with that, with that person, that doctor, that psychiatrist, it's, that information is never going to be used against you. That same information is, and even worse, is brought out of you in auditing sessions, it'll appear. If I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And it's just held to be no. used later. No, they have warehouses. This is not generally recognized about Scientology, and it's something quite dangerous about it, actually, is they have warehouses of folders of the worksheets of all of the counseling sessions of all of their parishioners, and they store these things, and they use that information if a person speaks out against Scientology. They'll use that information that that person has given to the church in a, uh, you know, confidence, in, in, a, in a, you know, that, that they were guaranteed that this information would not ever go anywhere. The folders themselves even say confidential, confessional, priest-penitent, privileged information, right? It says it right on the folder. And yet, if you step out of line, they're going to use that information that you've given them, that you've divulged in confidence, against you. And that is uh, not, not cool, you know, but they do it. They do it. And then there's the whole idea that um, what I find really, really, really cool to think is, not cool, but interesting to think is, you guys, like yourself, most people who come out and speak against Scientology, they're all veterans most part, for the most part. You've all been there for 30-some mm-hmm. years, or you were born into it. And right. when you're with somebody, especially everybody started, for the most part, at a young age, everybody growing up, because you're growing up, all the way up until like 27, in my opinion, <laughs> you're growing up, you know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, and it's all going to be recorded. And you're going to tell on yourself about them. Now, of course, with the, with the rationality of Scientology pointing to these mistakes, pointing to these flaws, when you put out these videos, if every person on earth, Scientology or not, is to be judged on their worst decisions and worst moments, and this is like, you know, hypothetically, if you believe everything you're yep. here, we would all hate right. each other. None of us would want to do, have anything to do with each other. Exactly. I mean, you have a right to privacy. You have a right to a life. You have a right to make mistakes. We all do it. We're human. And, and you give that you up. Know, to be held up to some, like, insane standard and ridiculed for the mistakes you've made, to be held up to look at what a bad person you are because of these mistakes, that is completely, it, it's childish at best. At best. And, and very, very malice-filled. At worst, you know, because who who has led a perfect life? None of us. None I'll of tell us. You one thing, certainly nobody in Scientology. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I oversaw counseling sessions for years. I was an administrator over these things, and I've read things and seen things that people have said that will just, you know, it'll turn your hair gray. I mean, it's amazing what some people get up to. <laughs> now, you mentioned this and before. Yet, you know. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and yet, 
you know, they, they trust Scientology with those deepest, darkest secrets only to, and not realizing that they've actually signed contracts that that information in those folders is not theirs. They don't own them. They can never have them. And the church is, is perfectly capable of using that information in any way it sees fit at any time. Right. And I think it would really give people, and I want to, I'm stressing this because People really need to know going in, and, and Scientology does not make any of this clear up front, but people need to know up front what they're getting into if they go into this kind of thing. This is not, you know, they call it a confessional because they like to, um, you know, give it a religious sense and, and to try to tie it into the Catholic confessional, but it's, it's way, way worse, way, way worse. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It's it's um it's un it's unfathomable and and we see it we we witness it and then we wonder why people get mad about it. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so you mentioned before how long you were a counselor there. Uh, some earlier on social media, but I forget what what the year was on it. How many years were you doing that for? Well, I was I oversaw all of the West U.S.'s um, Western United States uh, counseling delivery and classes and all that for eight years. And prior to that, I had been in that position in Santa Barbara at the church there for, oh, wow. um, for many, many years. So I worked in Santa Barbara for a total of eight years also. So, so I, was, I was involved with this stuff for a, a really long time. So was there any a time during those years that you felt something wasn't right or maybe you were making a mistake participating in this? Or? Yes, very much so. Yeah, there, were, there were many times where that happened. The the thing about, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of reasons why you stay. It's not a simple black and white thing. But, like, for example, you know, lots of people don't like their jobs. And they stay because they need to make money. It's a stable job. You know, if you want to go get another job, it's, you know, you have a lot of uncertainty that you're facing. Well, imagine that times 100. And that's what it's like to consider leaving the C organization, that, that upper-level group that I was part of. You know, they're paying for your room. They're paying for your place to live. They're uniforming you. They're feeding you. So if you leave that, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? How are you going to have a life? You know, there's all those very, very fundamental, just, you know, uh, quality-of-life-type questions that come up. Yeah, a lot of people came in through... You know, I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of people came in through their youth, and uh, even well, even if they're brought in, then there's, then there's the yeah. Then there's the fact that you've been doing it all your life. And they tell you you don't need you school. Have this belief, you know, that this is actually the good that the this is the greatest thing you could be doing. You're actually saving the world, even if you're just the cook or the janitor. You're contributing to salvage, salvaging the planet. Yeah. How they put it, right? Clearing the planet is another way they put it. You're saving mankind. And there's a lot of statements made by L. Ron Hubbard and David Miscavige that reinforce that doctrine, that you are there saving the world. And there's, I tell you, you know, I've come to learn that there is nothing more dangerous to the world at large than a young person who thinks they're saving the world. Yeah. Because, because you create a mindset of fanaticism. 
And that is very hard to overcome by yourself. And you might see things around you that don't make sense, that aren't good, that don't make, that aren't right, but you can assign it to, oh, well, that's just Joe being Joe. That's not Scientology's fault. That's just Joe who's being a jerk today. Right. Right? And that sort of thing, you know, you, you want to come up with some reason why you should stay. And so you come up with these things. And this goes on for, you know, day after day, week after week, year after year. But it built, uh, but, it, but there were enough incidents of enough weird things and enough, you know, stupid things that happened that it made me go, you know, it's not just Joe or Bill or, yeah. or Sue. There's something really wrong here institutionally. And, and there were a number of things that led up to that, but it was, but it finally, you know, it took years, but it finally happened, and I was able to step out. Wow, and it's, it's kind of a, you kind of uh, touched on it earlier, it's, you're young, you come in, they pretty much tell you you don't need school, right? They just, they'll take care of everything for you. Oh, yeah. No, that is very true. Now, I was raised in Scientology. My parents got involved when I was four, and I did go to school. I went to public school and that sort of thing. And I graduated high school, and that was when I joined staff and started working for them. But they very much, uh, I mean, I was going to college. I actually quit college. And they very much pushed that. They were like, college is useless. College is for the birds. Look at what L. Ron Hubbard has to say. And Hubbard badmouths college left, right, and center because, of course, he flunked out. Something's wrong with it. None, yeah. of, <laughs> none of us knew that, right? <laughs> the, the story within the Scientology world is that Hubbard was a nuclear physicist, you know? So That's so what we, they told people? We, we, oh, yeah. No, he, was the, he took the very first course in, in, in atomic and molecular phenomena. You know, and this sort of thing. He's, oh, there's all kinds of crazy. People still believe this. And, no, they, they do. And they new, new recruits. This is what they think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you think that Hubbard really knows what he's talking about. He's been to university. He graduated. He's this really, really smart, genius man. And if he says college is useless, well, okay, then, you know, it's probably useless. So screw it. I'll just go be, you know, I'll just go do Scientology full time. <laughs> and you know, and these these kind of things are are how you uh, build up a doctrine within the following. And right now, Scientology very much relies on second, third, and even now fourth generation Scientologists to keep going. Most of their staff are, are young people, and that's where they come from: is the kids or grandkids of Scientologists. Wow, I, I tell you, I, you, this story, this whole conversation reminds me of when I was younger, and, and just just to point out to to the point that cults in general go for younger people. Um, yeah. I remember, and I had forgotten until I took up this uh, this whole thing where I want to go ahead and, and join the fight against Scientology. Uh, I never remembered, but when I was seventeen years old, I worked at a Barnes and Noble, and I I, I remember I never got attacked. When I attacked, I never got approached more than when I was 17 about this religion or that religion. You should try it out. It's not like any other religion. Yep. It would be Scientology. That's it would be Dianetics. It would be 
It would be Buddha Fields. They came. They all came to me asking me to join. The one I didn't join that I regret it because they've all cashed in by now is the Earthlink Cult because it turned out to be like a real corporation that made a lot of money. But you know, Scientologists were involved with that. No, they weren't. Oh yes, they were. Look it up. <laughs> That makes sense. They, they freaked me out when they asked me. And I was always, maybe I was self-secure. Maybe I'd already been through the whole naive phase. And I just didn't want to have anything to do with anybody because I didn't trust anybody. But I just always looked yep. the other way. There was this elderly lady with the crazy eyes, right, holding up a Dianetics book. Because Barnes & Noble had a whole table dedicated to L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. It was a big seller. Yeah. And this lady, this is, I guess, uh, 1987 or something. This wide-eyed, crazy lady hands me the book and says, you need to read this. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know anything about it. Like, this this is genius. This will make your life so much better. She basically was recruiting me while I was at work without telling me she's recruiting me. So I'm supposed to get that implanted in my head. And what do I do? This is what I did, Chris, is, is I went on one of my breaks, and then when you're working a bookstore, you get a break, you take a book back with you. I took a Dianetics book back with me, and I browsed through it briefly. And it was like a textbook, and that's what he calls it, right? He calls it a textbook of, the, of, of Dianetics. Yeah. I'm looking at this thing, and this is literally what I thought at 17. I thought, this is way too complex and way too smart for my brain to handle. I'm not reading any more of it. Fast right. forward to 42 years old today, I look back at Dianetics. I, did, I wasn't confused by it because it was so complicated. It was gibberish. Exactly. I I ran. I did the exact same thing. Did the exact same thing when I was 15 years old, trying to wade through that book. And I was a reader, man. I read thousands of books when I was a kid. I was voracious. And that book just confused the hell out of me. You thought it was you. I tried to read it. You thought it was you not getting there, right? Exactly. Oh no, very much so. It was. In fact, it wasn't until I was in Scientology. For, oh gee, I think it was 10 or 15 years before I finally got through that book. And uh, man, it was just a monster <laughs> trying, to, trying to actually make sense out of that book. It's horribly written. It's an awful book. But, uh, but you know, Scientologists are just, oh, they get that wide-eyed look, you know. And I honestly think that some of that wide-eyed craziness comes from the fact that they don't have a clue what they're actually talking about. They've just bought into this you know, it's kind of the same as Deepak Chopra's stuff. No, but, you know, none of these people who follow Deepak Chopra have a clue what quantum physics actually is. Right, right. That's but a good they comparison. They think it sounds so smart. They think it sounds so brilliant. Ooh, yeah, yeah, the quanta. Ooh. <laughs> and, it's, you know, it's all just pseudoscientific. Ooh, you know, it's just, it's just nuts. Uh, uh, but they, but there's, a, there's a certain thing that happens with, certain, with some people where... They think that if they can, you know, say that they understand it or pretend to understand it, even to themselves, you know, that that they're involved with something really, really special and spectacular. And I'm 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 sure that's the case with people and who got involved with Dynamics. Now I saw in your five-part video interview with uh, is it Tim DeWall or Tom DeWall? I forget what. Yeah, Tim. Tim. Tim, yeah. Tim DeWall. He he followed me recently. Thank you for following Tim. He's <laughs> a very detailed. <laughs> look at it. I mean, th- this is a good way. I do recommend, and this is not a not to cut down your video, I recommend taking different times to watch it, because I try to watch it all the way through, and that's hard. <laughs> five five <laughs> yeah. plus hours. 
that's why I divided it up into parts. Yeah, to try to make it a bit more manageable to get through. But it's so detailed. It is a lot of ass. Yeah, there's a every everything that can be covered is covered. And Tim's an excellent example of of what people think when they're going through this and the seeing that progression of thought. He um he talked a lot about learning definitions of words and drilling words. Was that part of that understanding Dianetics? So it all all of a sudden it all made sense, and then you realized you were just too stupid to get it, and that was the mentality. Or yes, that is it, it's a very much a part of Scientology study materials that you look up any and all words that you don't fully understand in a dictionary in order to understand the material as a whole and. That itself makes sense. It's, it's, you know, there's nothing particularly wrong with using a dictionary, but they take it to an extreme that becomes, in an, in a, it, it, it becomes itself a kind of indoctrination. You know, because, for example, if you're reading something that Hubbard wrote, some random bulletin or issue or book, and you go, you know, this just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, I see that he says blah, 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 A, Y, you know, A, B, and C. And I don't think this makes a whole lot of sense. In Scientology, the course supervisor or the teachers or whoever it is you bring this up to is going to tell you, well, then there's some word there that you don't understand, and you need to go find that and look it up and make and clear that up because Hubbard makes perfect sense in everything he ever said. <laughs> everything's your everything fault. he ever wrote. So if you don't understand that, it's absolutely your fault. And this is how they make it your fault, is you don't understand some word or words or symbols that are used. You don't understand a semicolon. You don't understand a comma. You don't understand the word and, you know, something. There's something about that that you don't understand, and you need to go find it and look it up and clear it up in a dictionary, and then it will make sense to you. And this is just repeated at you over and over and over again. And if you don't kowtow to this and agree to this as a Scientologist, you're going to find yourself ostracized pretty quick. Wow. Because you're expected, you're expected to agree with everything that Hubbard says. We made an example of, basically. Yes. Oh, yeah, very much so. But, um, but generally what you'll find is that people will find some word or there or some symbol there they'll 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 figure it out and they'll go oh yeah no this does make sense now now i get it <laughs> and they you know because they want to be part of the group and they don't want to be ostracized and they don't want to be considered stupid and they don't want to be considered weird or out of step with everybody else you know it's there's so many cognitive and psychological phenomena at work there to make people agree with what's going on in the group. And this is this is not just Scientology. I mean, this is any group. This is how destructive cults in general are. Uh, right. But Scientology has more mechanisms and 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 methods of control, subtle at some you know, most very, very subtle, some not so subtle. It has more of these than almost any other destructive cults out there. You know, some some the Hare Krishna's the, the, the JWs, the, the, you know, the Mormons, whatever, these groups have, you know, X number of control mechanisms, maybe 10 or 12. Scientology has like 200 or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how refined their methodology is 
as a destructive cult. And people take this stuff apart all the time, you know, ex, ex-members and, and cult therapists and that sort of thing. So if I can make a point of this is, you know, the difference between organized religion, and, and I'm not saying I agree with any organized religion or that any of them are the answer, but at least, mm-hmm. at the very least, an organized religion, everybody who belongs to that religion for the most part, most of these religions, the most recognizable ones, can't wait to spread the word. They can't wait to tell you everything okay. about it. Scientology, everything's a secret. Well, yeah, and it's and, and you know it's it's so interesting because um, as a Scientologist, they're actually a little frustrated about that. Like the actual active practicing Scientologist. Yes, when I was a Scientologist, it used to frustrate me to no end that we weren't shouting from the rooftop how great Scientology was. You know the thing that actually got me on the internet looking at stuff about Scientology first was I was on the internet as a Scientologist because you're not supposed to go on the internet as a Scientologist right. to look at Scientology stuff, right? Because most of it is anti-Scientology. Well, yep. I was looking for positive stuff. I was looking for, hey, where's the good news about Scientology? Because <laughs> there should be tons of it because look at all these things we're doing and look at all these wonderful people we're helping and and why isn't this being talked about more? And I went on the Internet to try to find, you know, where is all this good <laughs> It's not there. And, of course, and, and, and what I was really doing without knowing it, you know, even while I was still in the bubble mentality, is I was fact-checking Scientology. Right, you know, which everyone should say, do. Oh, my God, everybody should totally do fact it. Fact-check everything. you don't have a revelation like I did, right? You go... <laughs> hey, where's all this good news that we hear about at these Scientology events about how we're changing the world? You can't find any of it. Nothing. None of it. It's, not, it's all lies. And, you, and I was just flabbergasted by this. And, of course, you know, what do I find when I'm looking at Scientology on the Internet? <laughs> all kinds <laughs> of things that I wasn't exposed to when I was in the group, you know, by ex-members and things like that. So, so that was... But, but, you know, that was what I was on the Internet for in the first place, was I was actually really being a good Scientologist, or trying to be, and I was trying to, you know, spread the good word. Absolutely. And and I was very frustrated that we weren't, as a group, that we weren't using the Internet to spread the good news about Scientology. You know, that it was forbidden to do that, that we weren't weren't allowed to. The Internet was was a bad horrible, you know, western frontier of gunfights and death and destruction and the Indians were going to get you, you know. And so the Internet was, like, not a good place to be. And I I just thought that was, you know, kind of kind of silly and, and ultimately uh, self-defeating. And, of course, it is. But that's Scientology for you. So what do you think of, and I don't want to give too much credit to these people, but uh, I mentioned their names before. What do you think of the accounts? I'm sure you've encountered them. Uh, Gemma Harris and John Alex Wood on Twitter because oh, they would God, refute what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're an interesting couple. I mean, obviously they are PR people for the church who have decided to you know to make it their mission to um, you know be on Twitter is where they are. Those are two Twitter accounts. Right. And they offer up weak challenges and and try to promote Scientology, and it's a very weak effort. They've contradicted. The reason that I say that, they contradict a lot of what what David Miscavige would say, you know. 
Oh yeah, no, they're 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 trying to present here from their point of view, and I know exactly where their heads are at. They're <laughs> trying to present Scientology in what they think is a rational, rational, reasonable, sensible fashion to the world via Twitter. Now, Twitter is the last place that you should be trying to disseminate Scientology because you don't have enough space, you know, 40 characters is not quite enough <laughs> to really do an effective job of, of disseminating, you know, imagine trying to bring Christ to the world through Twitter. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way, right? Right. So it's the wrong form in the first place, which they don't get, but, um, but they're really trying, you know, and of course they have to downplay the disconnection, they have to downplay the fair gaming, they have to say Zenu doesn't exist, you know, all these things. Well, they don't, though. Um, they don't, though, because I'll tell you what, I, every time I've ever posed a question, I've been in the conversations, and I pose, well, tell me, because I want to understand, straight it out for me so the confusion won't be there anymore. Tell me this, the truth about Zenu, and it'll be, there'll be no response. But, you know, if they, I actually saw Gemma Harris one time explain what this connection was. And she said it was only an agreement between the two parties as a last resort. This is a direct contradiction to the idea that this connection doesn't happen at all. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's for, no, for sure. They do, they do acknowledge that they have policies about disconnection. The, the whole church That's does? Hard. They, will, they will do that, and they will fight those policies. But it's only as a last resort that they will generally even go there. They want to say it doesn't exist, that it doesn't happen. And, and here's the thing. To their way of thinking... It doesn't happen a lot because they don't know about how often it actually happens. These stories that are told on Leah's show, for example, are not broadly publicized throughout the world of Scientology. Right, like Mike Rinder. Downplayed and kept hidden. Mike Rinder is accused of being the one that left his family, but the audio they use, if you've ever seen the attack video, Mark, oh, Mike Rinder, yeah. sorry, I keep doing that. Mike Rinder, if you ever do that attack on Mike Rinder uh, audio, it's clear from the way it was presented and going clear in another, another documentary that on Leah Remini's show, it's clear he was being approached by his family. And his family story, yeah. he came to them and started grabbing people, yelling at people. And it's so funny. It's not funny at all. It's sad, but it's, it's kind of funny in a way that it's really clear what happened, and you're telling me that, 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 this, you're telling me that this, this cantaloupe is a banana, and I know it's not. Right. That, that, exactly. And that's their... That's their PR fumbles. That's how they screw it up every time. But they, you know, they try to stage something to look one way, and then it actually comes out looking totally different, and they're stuck with what they've got. You know what I mean? They wanted to stage it to look like Mike Rinder was the bad guy, but instead they all look crazy. It's like, it's like that video of those three, guys, those three who confronted uh, Mark, Mark Raffin at the airport. Yep. And they just keep coming at him. And they just keep coming at him. You know, you're like, who are these? People? I just want to get on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just at the airport. Leave me alone. You know, and they're calling him names and they're doing all this stuff. And, you're, and, and that is what they're really like. But they try to stage it to look like it's you who are that way. And they just bomb out every time because they really don't know what they're doing. It's, it's terrible. And, and, oh, my God, it's, it's awful. And we call it... We call it foot bullets, right? They just shoot themselves in the foot. 
over and over and over again. <laughs> so it's just foot bullet after foot bullet after foot bullet, and that's that's their, you know, that's how they do PR. They're horrible at it. And this and years of this has resulted in what they now have, you know, which is not not a good not a good picture at all. And that's why Scientology is so so badly regarded in the media is because they've mishandled one problem after another after another because and they're hobbled by the policies of L. Ron Hubbard which say always attack, never defend. Right. Everyone's That's an enemy. Yeah. yeah, always. And so they can't ever you know, it's it's just a it's a it's a very um, fill in the blank kind of PR policy that is not dynamic, that doesn't work well, and they always come off looking like like really evil, vicious, you know, people because of those Hubbard policies, because that's how Hubbard was. And, and this is the fair game yeah. policy. What I find real interesting, and I'm sorry if I cut you off, Chris. I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Uh, the fair game policy is interesting because even, you know, and, and really Leia Remini even said it herself on her show, you look at it and you go, oh, there was, a, there was a fair game policy that uh, was done away with in 19, whatever year it was, 1960s yeah. or something. Yeah. We, we ended that. 68. 68. Yeah. We, and we ended the fair game policy, so I guess it's not that big a deal, but it's stuck in your head. Wait a minute. To me, it's, it's okay that there ever was a fair game policy. That's okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. And Hubbard, Hubbard was vicious about it. I mean, he was just death on anyone who he thought crossed him. You know, and he and he even said in or in another policy earlier in the fifties, you know, never forget when somebody you know crosses you and stuff. Never ever, you know, forget that, and always always come a calling. You know, he was very very vengeful that way, and that was how he wrote his policies. And so that is what is built into the DNA of Scientology because he is the one who created it. It's all on him. And he wrote, you know, all these policies and all these methods of dealing with critics and, and ex-members and church attackers and this sort of thing. And, um, and so they, they have this playbook, and they have to run it. They have no other option. And so that's how it rolls. Wow. So, so do you, are you sympathetic yeah. to people like, like Gemma and John and, and the celebrities? Are you more sympathetic, or do you feel like I, they know I what am. they're doing? I am. No, I am. I um, I actually said the other day on, on one of my Q&A shows, I do a weekly Q&A show on my YouTube channel where I answer people's questions about this stuff. That goes up every Sunday. And I said last week that there are only, you know, a couple people in Scientology that I, that I really, at this point, have any um, feelings of ire or anger toward. You know, and I mean literally like two or three people. Um... You know, everybody else, I pretty much get where their heads are at. I get where it's coming from. I've been there, done that myself. You know, so it would be silly for me to hold a grudge or take it personally or or look at what they do and think, oh, that's just you know evil or something. Because I know that's not where it comes from. Um, the only people I have, I still have, you know, a, a real serious problem with are the people who personally made my life hell mm. Scientology and who disconnected friends and, and, and people I, I actually was in, you know, loved um, and I don't have those connections anymore I can't talk to those people anymore they're out of my life not by my choice 
but because Scientology said they can't be in my life anymore. Right. That's very, very cruel. And that was done by a couple people who I, you know, maybe someday I can forgive them, but but that day is not today. But other than those couple people, you know, I know where their I know where their heads are at, and I know that they're doing what they think is the right thing to do to save the world. I, I that, is, that is literally what they think. I kind of feel like yeah. uh, that Tom Cruise is pretty complicit. Well, Tom Cruise is kind of one of those people that I'm, yeah. that I'm talking about that I that I can't really you know give a give a break to. Right. He he has done things that are that are that have crossed the line, you know, where he has taken advantage of Sea Org members who are basically slave labor for him, and and he knows full well, you know, what he's done with that. So I I can't you know uh, think well of him. I I can't watch him in movies anymore or anything yeah. because of what I know about him. You know, but, certain level of willful uh, ignorance. Yeah, there's a certain level where you go, okay, you know, it's like you're, you know, you're in the cognitive dissonance of it, you're in the bubble world, I'm tracking, I get it. And then there's people who are so full of themselves, are so self-righteous, are so self-assured and egotistical that they think that this is, that this slave labor, for example, with Tom Cruise is owed to them because they're such, you know, godlike beings or something. David Miscavige fits in this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tom Cruise fits in this, and it's really, really uncool. It is, it is, it's not well intentioned. It comes from another place. So you're almost I, talking. I can't, I can't so easily write that off. Is that labor coming from the RPF or from the whole? No, that the no the Sea Org guys who worked for Tom Cruise were not from the whole or from the RPF. They wouldn't be trusted to be anywhere near Tom Cruise. Oh wow! You'd have to have. No, no. Yeah, when you're in the hole or you're on the RPF, you are in a position that is one. I mean, you're like the mud on the bottom of the shoe as far as the Sea Org is concerned. You have to be in a position of great trust to be anywhere near Tom Cruise. You have to be completely willingly giving yourself over to the to the cause, and be willing to do anything, you know, to uh, you know, as far as what David Miscavige tells you to do. You you hear about children working in the hole. Have you witnessed any of that? Do you do you know any of that to be true? Uh, well, ch- children in the hole. I have to, to be very very specific. Those are two different things. Um, the hole is 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 David Miscavige's personal uh, sort of little private prison, you know, at the int base, at the international base in Hemet, California, and that's. That's a situation that is very unique in Scientology. That's David Miscavige's own invention. The RPF is a program people are put on when they have screwed up. And that's supposed to be a real rehabilitation program. That's what uh-huh. the Rehabilitation Project Force. I did that program. It took me three years to get through it. It is, it is hard physical labor. It is, it is penance. It is uh, a punishment thing. And the only... The only way to really describe it is, is, is if I say it's like a Maoist reconditioning camp, you know, or a North Korean reconditioning camp or something. It's it's that bad. Um, you felt like RPF. You felt like you deserved to be there. At the time, I did. Yeah. 
when I when I first got there, yeah, I did. They do that uh, too. Because yeah. I was in that mindset. When I got out of it, when I, about it was about it was about a month into it where I was snapped out of that, and I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" Here? Screw this! But I was stuck at that point. Yeah. I was stuck. There was no way out, you know. So that's a whole, but that's a whole different thing from the just to address your point to the children thing. There are okay. children who are in the Sea Org. There are children who are in Scientology, and the Sea Org specifically will does not care about somebody's age. And they, they think that children are just adults in little bodies, and they will run them, and they don't care about schooling so much, and they don't care about the law and that sort of thing. If you're there in the Sea Org, you're there to get the job done, no matter what it takes, no matter how many hours you have to work, no matter who you, what you have to do. And so that's, and it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a minor or not. They don't care. Wow. Yeah. Well, and what about the? Um, they've recruited people for the Sea Org as young as 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. So it's like that. It's 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 like that, and parents willfully put their kids into that. Yes, uh, Scientologists. There are Scientology parents who are proud to have their kids go in the Sea Org. It's right of passage. Twisted. It's a it's a twisted thing. There's also parents who are not at all interested in that, and like for example, Tim and Sylvia DeWalt. When I interviewed Tim, right, and then I interviewed their daughter, Larissa, who had gone into the Sea Org, they told her not to. They said, look, this is a mistake. You do not want to do this. And, of course, after, you know, six months, she was out of there because she saw how crazy it was. Right. Okay, so next Friday, on another extra edition of Come Get Some Culture, be part two of Chris Shelton. We, it gets a little bit darker, a little bit deeper. We talk about Paulette Cooper. We talk about Lisa McPherson, we talk about Anonymous, talk about Zemu and some of the OT levels to get some clarification there. Plus, Chris Shelton will take place or take part in 10 Questions Think Fast. That's so a lot of a lot of interesting things. I, I think a lot has been covered in the first half, and we're just getting started. A lot's going to be covered in the second half. You won't want to miss it. Chris Shelton, next Friday, same time, 1 p.m., right here on Come Get Some. For now... Happy holidays, guys. What about sums it up? Have a great holiday. Enjoy your families. Take care and see you next week. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come.